You're listening to audio from the Town Center campus of CA Church, located in downtown Coquitlam. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. He is risen! He is risen indeed! Oh, you guys are so primed now. This is fantastic. We'll see how we do. I might unbutton this later, okay? Let's hold off on it. Guys, if you have your Bible, I'm going to invite you to turn, uh, or, or on your phone, on your app, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, for those of you who've been walking with us, we've been going through a series building up to Easter called Behold. And we've looked at uh, Jesus' trial. We've looked uh, at the, the, the final meal. We've looked at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we've, we've been trying to kind of press pause on these things. And, and, th- and today, as we look at the empty tomb, what I want to do is talk about the implications of this for us, for you and I, for every single person sitting in this room. And as scripture would say, all of creation, it has implications. So I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. And out of respect, if you're able, I'm going to invite you to stand. Or I'll just say, even if it's difficult and you're holding a child, you can stay seated as well. (laughs) Let's make that clear. I'm going to read from 17 to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed uh, to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God, I pray you would speak to us this morning. Uh, we pray that the truth of this would... would uh, shatter us. We pray that we would come to you with soft hearts. And if we come in here with hard hearts, if we come in here with with hearts of stone, I pray that you would shatter them. I pray that you would give us new hearts that, that beat for you, that want to follow you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Well, as I said already, when we arrive here on, a, on Easter Sunday, we, we are celebrating the day that trickles into every other day that we gra- gather together and sing worship. It's the one that defines every other day that we gather to worship. Each one of those is a microcosm of Easter as we celebrate the good news of living in the reality of the risen Christ. And we say, he is risen, he is risen indeed. I have to tell you, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you probably would have never heard of him. Understand that. If, you, if Jesus had not risen from the dead, you probably would have never heard of them. Thousands upon thousands of people were crucified by the Romans. And you can't name them. Don't say Spartacus. <laughs> Don't say William Wallace. That's way off. Many of them were prophets. Many of them kind of led rebellion against the Romans, caused an uproar, and history has forgotten them. You know Jesus because something of great significance happened after the crucifixion. And this is the invitation. It, it comes down in, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, which was written by the, the, same, the same man who wrote the, the first text uh, we read, who was a, an early follower of Jesus, a pastor, a, a missionary. 
He writes this in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. He says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He's saying, listen, something significant happened that you can now refer to this Jesus backwater prophet, this backwoods prophet, this hick. You can now refer to him as Jesus the Lord, Jesus the Christ. And it's an invitation to declare that in light of the facts of the resurrection. They're simple words. Declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. But they have a very intriguing call to commitment and a belief in a very interesting story. In other words, if you declare that your greatest defining moment was accomplished by someone else, Jesus, you will be saved. That is so the opposite of everything you and I are told all day long, every day. Wear Nike, wear this, change your name to this, whatever it is, we're all told to, you have to create your own identity. That is tiring. And so we see a fractured, anxious, depressed world with the burden of creating their own identity. The gospel says, the resurrection says that your most defining moment happened 2,000 years ago. And I think it's often one of those ideas that we read over and we think we've got it. It's like one of those, those I, I, or, or Apple like terms of use where you just scroll a hundred pages and then just go, yes. I feel like often we do that with the claims of the gospel, the claims of the resurrection. So what are we saved from? That's quite a claim. Declare that we are saved from what? Death? Shame? Having to prove our worth, having to uh, accomplish and accumulate? Are we saved from hopelessness? hopelessness? Are, we, are we saved from the, the burden of creating my own seemingly fragile identity? The darkness of a, a storyless worldview? Yes. All of those things and more. That is what the invitation is when we declare that Jesus is Lord over our lives. Because when we declare that Jesus is Lord all, over all of our lives, we say that all those things are not. And no one else has a say in our worth and our identity. The invitation of being in Christ because of his resurrection to leave all those in the past, that's done something significant. And Paul says the Christian hope is found in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, as we read, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. There are many of us who need to say, okay, that old needs to be gone. The new needs to be here. That phrase in that, in that verse, in Christ, that is fundamental to our understanding of what the resurrection means for you and I this morning. The Apostle Paul used, and some of you have heard me say this before, the Apostle Paul, who, who wrote the majority of the, the, the theology in the New Testament of, the, of Scripture, he uses the phrase, in Christ, 164 times. It is his main way of describing what it means to follow Christ, of what it means to declare Jesus is Lord. It then means we are in Christ. And it's an interesting kind of mysterious phrase to be in Christ. He's, he's, he's the container that holds you in and keeps you from spilling out. He, he's the atmosphere that surrounds you and sustains you. He is the life-giving air you breathe, the refuge where you find safety. He's the airplane's little black box that always seems to survive. He's the football held by the runner as he goes through and takes it all the way to the finish line. That's what it means to be in Christ. You, it's, it's a mysterious understanding that when you are within him, you are protected for the long haul. What was common when I was growing up, and many of you, was to, was to ask Jesus into your heart, to have Jesus live in you. The invitation of scripture is actually for you to live in Christ. There's a lot more protection there. <laughs> then he decides where the story is going to go. 
When Jesus lives in you, you tend to decide where the story is going to go. Maybe that's just for me. <laughs> and this is why this is important. When we, when we associate, when we connect our lives to Christ, when we are in Christ, something wonderful happens and we look back to the resurrection to figure out what that is. In a, in a mysterious way, hear this, in a mysterious way, what is true about Jesus becomes true about you and me. That's a strange thing to say, Pastor Brad. What is, what is true about Jesus becomes true about us. And I want to I show you this in three ways this morning. There's, there's three truths that kind of emerge from this idea. Because of the resurrection of Christ from the dead, if you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, where Jesus went, you will go. What Jesus purchased, you own. And where Jesus reigns, you stand. Where Jesus went, you will go. What Jesus purchased, you own. And where Jesus reigns, you stand. Let's unpack these. Guardians of the Galaxy has a, a, a warm space in my heart. Mostly because of the wonderful music that it introduced my children to. After Guardians of the Galaxy 2 came out, my son had the, the two volumes, not on a record, not on a CD, not, a, not MP3 files. He had it on a cassette. And I will explain to you how cool my son is because he would listen to that cassette on a Sony Walkman circa 89, 90 and walk to school with it playing. Okay, that's right. Um, there's a, there's a, a, fascination, a fascinating image at the beginning of Guardians 2 where the Guardians are taking on the, the monster, the Abelisk, and they're fighting and fighting and fighting, and there's some great uh, ELO tunes going on in the background. Uh, Mr. Blue Sky, great tune. Anyway, uh, but what they're finding is they, they cannot penetrate the skin of this monster, no matter how hard they try. And so in a fantastic scene, Drax the Destroyer jumps up into the air, into the mouth of the drooling, dark, multi-fanged, razor-sharp toothed creature and has himself swallowed by the creature in order to take it on from the inside. And of course, the rest of the guardians are stunned and believe this to be foolish. What, what Easter tells us, what, what the cross tells us is that Jesus, as a representative of humanity and to save humanity, allowed him to be swallowed up by death to take on death from the inside, to go and do what we could not do ourselves. And the resurrection tells us that rather than death consuming him, death was in fact defeated. So when it comes to Jesus, death's eyes were too big for its stomach. <laughs> could not contain him. And the story could end there. There's a lot of stories from, from Greek myths and Roman myths where the hero comes out on top, where Hercules comes out on top. But this isn't just a story for Jesus. This story has implications for all of us because he represented all of us. The earlier followers of Jesus made it clear that, that the implications of, of this resurrection were not just for Jesus and showing his power, but for all those who followed him and declared Jesus as Lord and found their life and their purpose and their identity and their hope. In Christ. Speaking of the day that we will all face, speaking of the monster of death, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying, because of the resurrection, that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. 
See, the monster thinks it's swallowing up, swallowing up, but it will actually be swallowed by the victory of Jesus. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Na-na-na-boo-boo, death. <laughs> That's right. That is an equivalent to an amen, and I will take it. Do you know what that means? It means that when it comes to death, those who follow Jesus will follow him right through into immortality. That death will not have the final say in our lives. That the, the natural the natural telos, the natural end line of sin will not get the final say. We will burst right through and follow where Jesus has gone for us. If we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, where Jesus went, you go. It's as if you and I have been retroactively placed in the person of Jesus as he explodes out of the monster of death. Again, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19, Paul says this, he says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, first fruits means that the first of many to come. The resurrection of Jesus is not a one-off. It is the beginning, a glimpse of the resurrection of all those who place their trust in him. And I'll tell you, that's good news because I was checking the statistics this week and the likelihood of death is 100%. Ooh, things got dark. That's why we as, as Christians are not afraid to stare death in the face. That's why Christians are encouraged to mourn but not mourn as those without hope. That's why we're not afraid to reflect on, on, on mortality. That's why even as we've gone through the, this, this holy weekend, if some of you have been with us on Friday and, and holy Saturday, we're okay with that. We're okay to think about death because we know that Jesus burst through and that where he has gone, we will follow. Where he went, we will go, not eaten by death, but bursting through it. Secondly, the resurrection tells us that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what Jesus purchased, you own. What Jesus purchased on the cross, you and I own if we place our trust in him. What do I mean by that? Well, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, Paul writes this. He says, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the blood that he spilt on the cross, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Now, redemption, if you, if you don't go to church, redemption is such a churchy word. But you know what? It didn't start as a churchy word. It, it actually started as a word that you'd hear at the mall or that you'd hear at the market. It's market talk. You and I were redeemed. You and I were purchased. It's a word that means purchased. The amount around our necks was high. It was costly to purchase us from sin and death. But the gospel tells us that we were worth the price. That Jesus was willing to pay the high price for the power of sin over us. I don't care how you came in. I don't care what you got in your background. I don't care what burden you're carrying. What guilt or shame you've walked in with. You are worth the price. How did he purchase us? How did he redeem us? By his blood, it says. Out of the deep pockets of his grace. That was the currency to purchase you and I from the natural destiny of sin and death. And how do we know he paid it? How do we know he paid it? He could have said he was going to pay it. We don't know. The gospel of John 
chapter 19, where it records the story of Jesus' death on the cross. It says that, well, on the cross, it says in verse 30, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. For those of you who are at our our, um, Good Friday service, you'll know that the Greek for it is finished, the words that Jesus proclaimed is the stamp they would put on a receipt to say, you've paid this in full. It's It's a phrase you would hear in the market. So if you're wondering if you are loved and and seen and known, Jesus says, it is finished. This covers you as well. It is finished is a term of full payment. It is a a statement that whatever you think you are witnessing when you look on the cross, there is something greater going on. There's something cosmic going on. And as Paul says in Ephesians, as we just read, it was a, was a, a redeeming, a purchasing of you and I for himself. But again, I say, how how do we know? How do we know that any of the things Jesus promised about his mission, about his identity, about his purpose, his lordship, his authority, what he was, all the things he's promised us, how do we know they are true? Why should I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? And that's what today is all about. The resurrection. The resurrection that changed 12 huddled, scared disciples to go anywhere that people would listen to them and even where people would not listen to them, to face death because they know they were going to burst through it with the proclamation that this man that they watched suffer and die burst out of the grave three days later and they saw him, they touched him, they spoke to him. The resurrection is our validation, is Christ's validation and the proof that what he promised us he will deliver. The resurrection is Jesus' vindication and our proof of purchase. He is risen indeed. You ever purchase something in the mall and they're like, uh, do you want a bag? No, I don't want, I don't want any more plastic because you're, you're one of those people. <laughs> a good person, better than me, is the problem. I'm collecting a lot of paper bags is what I'm saying. Imagine you're at the mall and you buy some new clothes or you buy some Nikes and you're walking down the mall and, 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 and Paul Blart shows up on his, on his Segway and he says, what, what are you doing with that? Your immediate response will be to pull out a receipt. That is your pass. It is your assurance that what is in your hands indeed belongs to you. The resurrection is the cosmic receipt of your salvation. It is the proof that what he said he would purchase, he purchased. It is the proof that only he can save. It is the proof that only he ought to be your Lord and give you identity. It's a reminder that he is who he said he was and he he did what he claimed he would accomplish. Where he has gone, you will go. What he's purchased, you own. New life in him, forgiveness, hope. This is on offer for you today. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone's in Christ. They're a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. Check the receipt. Check the receipt. It's paid in full. It's stamped across the universe. Am I loved? Am I truly forgiven? Check the receipt. It's paid in full. The resurrection solidifies that, we, that he has purchased us. It solidifies what has been purchased on the cross and that what he purchased on the cross you own new life new creation it is yours we can die to our old self and live new life in him and towards him in another letter that 
that Paul wrote, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, he says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he's brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We've been purchased. It's been paid in full. And what Jesus purchased, you own. New life and a future and hope and identity. Lastly, the resurrection tells us that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead where Jesus reigns, you stand. That's a strange phrase. (laughs) Where Jesus reigns, you stand. After Jesus' resurrection and ascension into heaven, which his disciples witnessed, we're told this in Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 7. It says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. See, in. We're there because we're in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages, we might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. As a a result of, of the cross and the fact that our, our sacrificed king is a living king, there is a way that, that you and I, when we place our trust in Christ, when we place our trust in his work on the cross, when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, because we are in Christ, we are spiritually alive together with him and seated with him. That is, that is an image of prestige and honor. God has reached down, condescended to bring you up to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. We have been raised up. We have been lifted up by his sacrifice. One pastor compares this to mountain climbing. And, and in the same way that we, we tether to, to each other for safety in mountain climbing, he says this. He says, there are really two key people in the human climb up the mountain. Adam, who rejected God and Jesus, God in human flesh. Adam fell off the mountain, and then he pulled down the next one, and he pulled down the next one, and he pulled us all down until there was only one person left on the mountain, only one person who hadn't fallen, only one person who was still on the mountain, and it was Jesus. And with a great mighty stroke, he put his axe in the rock. But in order to save us, all the weight of all of the rest of us pulled on him and virtually bisected him and actually did. But what happened was he pulled us up, he raised us, and he placed us on top of the mountain. Guys, it cost Christ to deliver us. It, it cost us. It, it cost Christ to, to place us with him in the heavenly realms, to, to offer us what, what he purchased for us, to, to go where he has gone. It cost Jesus his death. It cost him pain and suffering, but to him, the pain was worth it. Think of that as the God of creation looks you in the eyes. As you see Christ on the cross, he looks at you and he says, you are worth this. Do you believe that? The writer of Hebrews tells us this in Hebrews 12. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He scorned its shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And if you were in Christ, you are at the right hand of God as well. 
So it cost him. But for Jesus, enduring the shame and the suffering of the cross was, work, was worth it. You guys remember the archaic days before Amazon Prime? When it's like, what, I gotta wait five days for this thing? Remember those times? But that actually made getting, the, getting whatever was coming to your doorsteps uh, much more enjoyable at times. But the effect is the same. The excitement, and, and this is scientifically true, the excitement is far greater up until the point you actually open. You're more excited to see the package than you are to actually use what's inside it. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> See, now we have things like buyer's remorse. We, we regret our purchases sometimes. Jesus never feels that way about giving his life for you. Jesus never has buyer's remorse. He thinks you are worth it. I don't, I'll say it again. I don't care how you came in here. And Jesus wants to say this to you. I don't care what you've got in the closet. I don't care what you've walked through in the past. He looks at you with all of that. The one who knows you more intimately than anyone else could possibly know you. All the darkness, all, all the, the stuff you've shoved down, the pain and the shame you've felt that's either been thrown on you or you've come up with yourself. He looks at you and he says, you are worth the price tag. Worth the weight that his body bore. Worth the suffering so that he could take us with him. He looked through the cross to the joy of welcoming you into his family and calling you a sister and calling you a brother. So that's where we are now. Spiritually, theologically, set in the heavenlies and one day physically together with him. And how do we know? Because the resurrection declares it. The resurrection declares that where Jesus went, you will go. What Jesus purchased, you will own. And where Jesus reigns, we stand. That is why he is risen is so much more than fans just chanting on a familiar phrase because their team sucks. It's more than that. It's not just trying to every Sunday come or every Easter come to church and just kind of get riled up for the next year. It's more than that. It is our defining phrase. He is risen. risen We are declaring the basis of our salvation, our guarantee that Jesus was, has, and will accomplish all that he said he would. And I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what brings you in here, but I would encourage you. And it might be like, yeah, I have not been living in Christ. I've allowed identity uh, on, on accomplishment or how I'm seen by others, how I'm, how I'm portrayed into the world. That is where I've been finding my life and trying to, to muster up an identity. Maybe that's you today, and I want to declare to you, he has risen. Your life can look different. What he has purchased can belong to you. The identity that he's purchased, the, the hope that he's displayed that pierces through sin and death can be yours. It can be your new label. It can be your new identity, your hope and your peace for now and into eternity. It's not just a pie in the sky when you die. It's a sense of belonging here and now in the beautiful story that God is writing. You say, where's this story going? Look to the resurrection. That's where it's going. It's going to new creation and new life. And he welcomes us into that on the ground floor level. Let's get in on it. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. God of grace, 
Oh God, I may, I pray that the power of this declaration would be understood and accepted and lived in, that we wouldn't leave here just feeling warm inside, <laughs> that we would, we would leave this place ready to explode with excitement and anticipation of what you're going to continue to do in us and through us and how you are going to recreate the universe. So may those of us who say that we've placed our trust in Jesus, may we, may we understand what that means to be found in Christ. May we understand the work of the cross, the validity that is made clear through your resurrection. And Jesus, this morning, for those who have not come to that point of, of calling you savior, of, of calling you their rescuer, their defeater of sin, their, their victorious God, savior, forgiver, Allow the weight of the truth of your resurrection to fall fully on their hearts and minds this morning. So that where you have gone, they may go. What you have purchased, they may own here and now. And where you are, they may be and find their identity and hope. I'm going to invite you just to take a few moments of silence with heads bowed. To make your decision this morning. And we see this throughout scripture over and over again. More and more opportunity to say, yes, I, I'm going to start this again. And we, we, re, we return to a God who is so ready to welcome us in. And so it could be the, for the first time or it could be for the 10th time to center ourselves in the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. To live in the promises of the cross. Proven true by the resurrection that all who believe, all who come will be saved. That death will no longer have the last word. That the price that needed to be paid for our sins was paid in full and it is finished. That the spiritual reality of being elevated to the position of honored guests before God is for all those who would confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead. And so that might be you today for the first time. So simply say yes to Jesus. Trade in your life. Trade in your effort. Trade in your sin for a new life. An accomplished work. It's already been done on your behalf. And the forgiveness and the, the relief of the burden of guilt. Say yes to him this morning. Jesus, for all that this day celebrates, we thank you. We praise you. We praise you who accepts us, who saves us, who forgives us, and in whom we now find our life and find it more abundantly. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's stand and let's respond in song. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.